All right, Mike. Uh, good morning, my time, evening, yours. How are you keeping? <laughs> I'm good. Thanks very much. It's good to uh, good to be here with you. Hello from uh, sunny California. Yeah, hello from a, a not so sunny Brisbane, but um, <laughs> that's few and far between. Um, Mike, we, we've uh, we, we've agreed today to, I guess, have a conversation about. Um, your background and, and some of what has led to your involvement with us, the advisory board centre. Yeah. Um, yeah. I thought it worthwhile getting into some of the details and the story of, of uh, your your journey to independence and and continued independence as a as a as a professional. Um, yeah. So um, I thought it best to kick off, I suppose, with some of the context, some of the genesis, if you like. Uh, so keen to hear a little bit about your background, first of all, yeah. if that suits yeah. you. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I've been an independent portfolio professional for 20 years now, and uh, we'll come back to it, I'm sure. It's, it's been one of the most enriching uh, phases of my career in life. Uh, 20 years before that, of course, I had a corporate career. I actually started out in the oil and gas business. I'm a geophysicist by training at, uh, at college natural training for the oil and gas industry. I became a petroleum engineer uh, with Shell International on their international staff. I quickly realized, of course, that I wasn't really cut out for a technical career. I had a blast, though, uh, working on drilling rigs for two years, which was fantastic. And I quit after five years, went to London Business School uh, for a full-time MBA, and then happened to get into the aerospace business and climbed the ladder Ended up uh, as an executive and a CEO, then the divisional CEO of the aerospace division of a British public company that people have probably never heard of called Spirant PLC. And we did some really groundbreaking stuff, uh, very innovative, uh, paradigm shifting aviation information solutions, as we called it. Uh, made a number of strategic acquisitions, uh, formed a number of strategic alliances, not least of all with Boeing. Uh, the, what was called the Boeing Connection part of the commercial airplane division of Boeing. And uh, the acquisitions brought the center of gravity of my business increasingly over to the USA from the UK. And so I actually moved here with my family in uh, 1999. And, uh, and then a couple of years later, uh, I actually decided to pursue a portfolio career and uh, went independent and pursued my passion. And uh, here we are. 20 years later understood and and as part of that composition of your portfolio as you describe it mike tell me a bit about your your um the application of advisory boards and where they fit into the the mix of things that you now uh, have interests in yeah so i i am um, i i became a a ceo coach a ceo facilitator i uh, i quickly settled in around the core concept and specialty of agility, enterprise agility, business agility, organizational agility, leadership agility, and then naturally uh, started getting involved with governance boards, with advisory boards, and with peer advisory boards in particular. And I uh, became a, uh, a chair, a facilitator of uh, peer advisory boards for executives and CEOs with a global organization called Vistage. And before that, it was called Tech, which it's still called in Australia, for instance. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, did that for 15 years. And 
uh, chaired a number of groups here in Southern California with you know, 50, 60, 70 members at any one moment in time, and also uh, traveled the world speaking about agility to, I think, 400 groups uh, in uh, many countries around the world. And I always was amazed to discover that everybody was struggling with the same challenge, the same problem. Uh, in trying to, you know, be in the driving seat of their of their businesses and sort of fully fill their role, fully fill the shoes, uh, fully fill the seat, um, and it was all around the agility challenge. And um, as I got involved more with governance boards and advisory boards, I became increasingly passionate about moving the needle on uh, what I call conversation flow to cash flow. Um, in all of the work that I've done around agility, which is now, by the way, uh, an exploding universe of inspiration uh, cluttered with so many confusing uh, um, uh, you know, concepts and, and, and offerings and services and products and technologies. I try to cut through the hype and all of that complexity and, and distill it down to something which CEOs in particular can relate to, which I call conversation flow to cash flow. Uh, it takes a little bit of unpacking, but what I noticed was that um, CEOs were struggling with getting the conversation flow of the business on the right trajectory. I remember once I was, I was doing my workshop in front of a, a room full of uh, American CEOs somewhere in the USA. And I, I'm sketching out a picture on, on the flip chart that sort of distills this uh, in a, into a very simple form and uh, starting to describe how the trajectory of conversation flow in a business so easily derails and causes the cash flow trajectory to derail uh, shortly thereafter. And a CEO stood up midstream, uh, he, he called a halt to proceedings, he walked in my direction, and as he did so, he was pulling his wallet out of his back pocket. He fished inside. He pulled out a $20 note. He gave me that $20 note and said, I will give you $20 for that flip chart right now. I said, deal. <laughs> uh, because I had described for him the challenge that he was facing in trying to drive his business on the trajectory that he needed. And that just helped me become so passionate about uh, working with advisory boards because that's the top line of where the conversation flow needs to start. And actually even more so coaching CEOs because really it's in, it's in the head of the CEO that the conversation flow really needs to start and then it feeds into the advisory board and then it feeds enterprise wide enterprise deep from there so that's uh, the only time i've ever sold a flip chart for 20 bucks uh, brendan <laughs> so mike you've, you've spent some time in i guess you'd say maturely developed very um specific scientific and and uh you in many ways some would say rigid uh, um, corporate structures, Shelp, for instance, Boeing, the, yep. the other example yep. that you referenced earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what struck me for that example is it, it was clearly a different audience that you were speaking to earlier. What, what has been your observations of the market for advisory boards and their application? 
Yeah, it's it's really interesting. Um, you know, I think in all of the work that I've done with CEOs and interacted with so many in peer advisory groups or on governance boards or advisory boards or indeed speaking in workshops or indeed keynote audiences, which I've done a lot of, um, everybody is hungry for independent, unbiased, trustworthy advisory input really hungry for it and frankly it's really hard to get um, because most of the traditional places that we turn to to get our advisory input is not necessarily unbiased uh, there's there's a hidden agenda of, of some degree and that's why you know peer advisory groups have become so popular in recent years and decades but many of my members and many of the other members that I spoke to are looking for something more than mm -hmm. that because their peer advisory experience can often be so diffuse because there are so many members in the group and we've got so many businesses to talk about. They're looking for something more. And, um, and they're looking to uh, diversify the input that they're getting uh, into the conversation flow of their business. Uh, to give them more confidence that they're addressing the full agenda of everything that they need to be tackling. And I think here in the USA in particular, um, it's a little bit paradoxical because uh, advisory boards in some ways uh, is a very mature thing here. It's quite common to, to see that uh, companies have advisory boards of one form or another, but I think it's simultaneously immature in that I see a lot of opportunity for improvement in the structure of the approach, in the application of best practices, and frankly, the rigor. And, um, uh, you know, I've, I've been on some advisory boards, frankly, that leave a lot to be desired. And that's why I went looking for something more. Over and above, you know, the 15 years of chairing peer advisory groups of, of CEOs, which is, you know, a, a fantastic experience, I was hungry myself for something more. And that's why I was so delighted to find the advisory board center and the research-based best practice uh, architecture and structure and approach uh, that it takes. And hence I became you know, certified and I'm really excited now to um, help advisory boards, uh, established advisory boards take their game to a next level and or um, help CEOs establish advisory boards where they don't have them and they're hungry for something more than they're getting from other places. Yeah, it's a good point that you raise. We, we see, you know, particularly in the US market, private equity or venture capital being the, the uh, I guess, the kernel that creates the, the, you know, the driving force behind what creates the advisory board structure. And so the, yeah. the, the typical question that should be asked by everybody around that table, are we independent? Who, who are we here to serve? They fall at that first hurdle more often yeah. than not, which is, um, yeah. was that something that you'd observed too in, and sort of alluded to in that, that last stanza? Yeah. And um, you know, I, I talk about conversation flow to cash flow, and mm. we'll, we'll talk about that more in a moment. And, and in particular, I talk about the, the quality of the conversation flow. And if you're not careful, uh, it starts to derail a little bit. The quality of the conversation flow is getting distorted 
by some of the agendas in the room, some of the lack of independence in the room, some of the lack of structure in the room, and you start to, you know, experience a little bit of wheel spin. My along the way, I wrote uh, a book. It was called Wheel Spin, and the S was uh, replaced with a dollar sign because that can start to cost you a fortune. Sure. Maybe not immediately, but certainly in terms of the potential. Uh, of of your business and so yeah I, I i see some of that i i see in particular with those kinds of venture backed private equity backed businesses uh, you've got a lot of smart people in the room and that itself can start to distort uh, the conversation flow because there isn't enough inquiry and discovery and exploration going on and surfacing of options and you know, staying with the problem before we rush to the solution, and um, you know, again, that can easily cause it to derail. I, I remember um, I was working with a uh, a global uh, technology hardware and software company, and um, uh, they engaged me not on their advisory board. They had an advisory board uh, with the owner and some advisors, and then there was a a hired gun CEO who engaged me to work with the executive team. And uh, for about three years, once a quarter for three days, we would meet in some part of the world. Uh, many times it was in Australia, uh, UK, Europe, USA, uh, to do you know a quarterly strategic review and update and really drive the conversation flow onwards and upwards uh, up the kind of desired trajectory that that cash flow could follow, and uh, I, I had them, you know, do the classic thing of of twelve month moving average graphs that was sort of a proxy for share price. You know, they are obviously a, they were a private company, and it was beautiful. What we saw was in, inflecting curves. They became increasingly confident in what they were doing. But there was this advisory board um, operating, you know, above that arena. And uh, they had a wonderful CEO, in my estimation. And for reasons I still do not understand to this day, uh, at the end, after three years of working with them and seeing fantastic results in the graph, I don't know what kind of conversation flow was going on in the advisory board, but all of a sudden, uh, they let go the CEO and replaced him with a member from the advisory board who became the full-time CEO. And I have no idea what kind of distorted conversation flow they were having. Uh, my engagement with them came to an end simultaneously, uh, but I stayed in touch with uh, many of the folks who increasingly jumped ship and of course, uh, never got to see the numbers ever again, of course, but I heard on the jungle drums, you know, that the graphs just went the other way and everything cratered. And, um, you know, it's just an example that uh, you, you really have to be careful with the, the quality of the conversation flow that's occurring. And when you get it right, it can have fantastic uh, results. And when you get it wrong, it can do the exact opposite. Like it's a really interesting point and it's part of why we as the advisory board center exists, um, you know, observing that this, this profession, if you like, uh, as, as an advisory board contributor, as an advisor or a chair for that matter, um, that, that it was, 
ill understood or, or, or misunderstood by many. Um, and, and so setting out to provide some standards, some guidelines, some, some, some principles, if you like, is, is why we exist and to support those who are doing the, the good work that, that you're involved with, um, as, as we've yeah. shared in the past. So you've mentioned confidence a couple of times there. That is the currency of business. I'm keen yes, to is. just scratch a little bit at the surface there because that, <laughs> that is, I'm sure, the, the, the tone that will resonate most with those who have an interest in business, which quite frankly is, you know, 99% of yes. the, the, both the community and, and those who we yeah. serve. Um, yeah, it's exactly it. It's been, it's, been the, it's been the question of my career. And, mm. and, and sometimes I think I'm a slow study because it, it took me probably 35 years to arrive at the clarity that I've been sharing. And I'll, and I'll unpack it a little bit more right here. Um, uh, but, you know, here we are in the face of accelerating disruptive change. Gosh, sure. you know, we're just coming out of the pandemic. But, you know, before, during and after the pandemic, there's a lot of non-pandemic related disruptive change occurring that actually many authors and pundits say is, is just going exponential. You haven't seen anything yet. And actually, there's an acronym for that. It's called VUCA, uh, Volatility, Uncertainty, Complexity, and Ambiguity, VUCA. It's a military uh, term, a mil isn't it? It's a yeah. military term that came out of the, uh, the Army Co War College, I think, in the 80s, uh, but is now widely used in the commercial world because I think it's a very apt description of what we experience that we have this very volatile uncertainty complex and not least of all ambiguous it's confusing it's confounding flow of disruptive change coming at us and and the question is well what stops us being the disrupt e and what helps us stay the disrupt or mm. uh, what helps us find opportunity inside the threat of VUCA. And that's been the quest of my career to cut through the clutter, the hype, the complexity, and get to the essence of that that I've been mentioning here that I call C to C, conversation flow to cash flow. Now, it needs to be unpacked a little bit because people will often challenge me. What do you mean conversation flow? You mean we just sit around and talk? It's like clearly no. This actually opens a door to an agile mindset because by conversation flow, what I mean is the unfolding flow of how you link and accumulate individual thoughts, questions, decisions, and actions. You see, for, for an agile mindset person, agility is a contact sport. You have to contact reality. And the way you do that is you take a real action that brings reality into the conversation that is then telling you what's working and what's not working, and you adjust, adjust, adjust from there. So thoughts, questions, decisions, and actions opens the door to an agile mindset. So what we really mean is agile conversation flow to agile cash flow. Now, if you, if you walk down the hallway to your CFO and you ask your CFO what they want of your agile cash flow in some way, shape or form, what they'll tell you is, well, I want quantity uh, as much as I can get. I want quality. I want high margin cash flow. And I want cadence. I want uh, sort of cash to cash cycle. I want turnover. 
I want uh, inventory turn and those kinds of things. So they want quantity, quality, and cadence. Well, guess what? It's the same thing that you need of your conversation flow because where your conversation flow goes, whatever trajectory you drive, the quantity, quality, and cadence of your conversation flow, the quantity, quality, and cadence of your cash flow trajectory will follow it eventually, sometimes later, sometimes a lot sooner than your worst nightmare. And so now the question becomes, well, how do I know if I'm driving the right quantity, quality, and cadence of conversation flow? Well, now that's where you have to look yourself in the mirror and you have to really ask, are we talking about the right stuff in the right way at the right time with the right people and the right diversity of thought? Uh, are we doing it with a sufficient quality of input across a spectrum of personality types and specialties and expertise? And is it not, it's not too structured because clearly that's not going to work. You know, that's Life's creativity. Yeah. yeah. Right. But it's not too unstructured. So you're, you're in that beautiful middle zone that we all know and love so dearly. It's, it's the Goldilocks zone. It's the golden mean. It's where things flow. Uh, it's that and proposition of not too much and not too little structure. So the quantity and the quality, and then not least of all the cadence, the, the, the closed loop clock speed with which you're doing it. And uh, so much so that what I like to, one of my favorite things to ask audiences and, and CEOs, and even in one-to-ones, is I'll ask a CEO, say, hey, how's your share price? And they'll look at me like, what are you talking about? I'm a private company. I don't have a share price. And I'll say, no, but if you did, um, and you can come up with an algorithm that, you know, for the valuation of your company, that's a proxy for your share price, right? If you did have a share price, what's happening with it? And let's imagine that this is your boardroom right here, and you're having a board meeting. And let's imagine that the analysts who follow your share price have wired this room for sound. They're listening into your conversation flow. And let's imagine that there's a TV on the wall over there with a real-time chart of your share price. And now the analysts are listening in and they're thinking, well, this company has some challenges. Uh, but And you know what? They're just not talking about the right things in the right way at the right time. They had great results last quarter, last month. But I just don't feel confident about mm -hmm. their future Look at the chart on the wall. Your share price is going down. On the flip side, suppose they're listening in and they're thinking, wow, these guys are up against it and their future, you know, their, their world is being turned upside down. But you know what? They're talking about the right stuff in the right way at the right time. I think they've got a fighting chance of being successful. Look at the chart on the wall. Your share price is going up. So that's how I like to bring it sort of down to ground level for CEOs is to ask them, how's your share price? And are you driving your quantity, quality, and cadence of conversation flow on a trajectory that your cash flow can follow and then your share price can go with it? And, and advisory boards are essential for that and essential for that confidence factor because advisory boards can enhance the conversation flow they can enhance the VUCA radar scanning. 
They can enhance the future proofing of the business. They can make sure there are no blind spots and can really help the, the CEO feel more confident that, you know what, I'm doing everything possible that I can to uh, assure the sustainable future of this business. No, it's a, it's a very good point. You know, th- you're, you're buying in external perspective and thought from, from the point of they are in your corner, they're there to support you. And I think it's an important distinction. You know, clearly we talk about advisory boards being a structure there to support the CEO uh, or in some cases the governance board, whereas the governance board right. is, is there to, you know, I- impose uh, governance and, and, and decision-making responsibilities and obligations uh, onto yeah. the executive. Um, so yeah. it's a, it's a different set of lenses, but a, it speaks to why advisory boards are such a popular, uh, uh, I guess, option for the the business that's still founder-led or is trying to achieve something that they've not been able to in the past, either as an individual leader or as as a business themselves. Um, yeah. Yeah, and it can, you know, obviously there's an investment associated with an advisory board, clearly, um, uh, and... and uh, but it's an insurance policy, and it really is. Um, you know, you're insuring yourself against VUCA in the future and being as far ahead and, and out towards the fringe of the radar scope to spot that VUCA coming sooner, not later, uh, because it's likely to be a freight train coming in your direction, you know, probably bigger, faster, sooner than, you, than your worst nightmare if you're not careful. And so it really is. You know, as you said, it's really the bottom line is is confidence. In fact, I like I like to bring people to a bottom line of composure. What does it take to be composed in the face of craziness? It takes that quiet, cool, calm, collected composure and confidence in your agility and your conversation flow and everything that we've been talking about in the face of VUCA that you know what? We're going to be fine. In fact, we're going to be better than fine. We're going to be good, if not great. And uh, I was on the board of a um, of a multi generational family business for fifteen years uh, locally in in San Diego, and uh, they had a portfolio of automotive dealership businesses. And um, we went through phase after phase after phase of VUCA. Um, it all started in the, the 9-11 aftermath. Uh, we went through oil price shocks. Uh, we went through the Great Recession. Uh, one of their dealerships was, was a Toyota dealership. We went through the Toyota Prius crisis uh, with the, the runaway accelerator acceleration problems and, and all of that kind of stuff. Um, uh, and uh, we went through, you know, uh, the, pan- the pandemic and all of that kind of stuff. And every cycle of VUCA that we went through, we ratcheted up, not down. And, uh, you know, here in the States, typically there's a, a whole zoned area for automotive dealerships. It's often called the mile of cars or something like that. And we would start acquiring real estate up and down the mile of cars because we were spiraling upwards and Mm. many of our competitors were spiraling downwards. 
and you know we would be able to pick up the real estate and and have all kinds of new possibilities for what we could do next uh, with new dealerships and new franchises and that kind of thing and why why were we able to do that when they weren't because we did a much better job of having a rigorous structured best practice based board process not too much because that becomes bureaucratic but not too little because that becomes chaotic if you can find that middle zone not too much not too little where things really flow then you can really get the business you know, and the conversation flow and the share price as, as close as they had one spiraling onwards and upwards and it was it was a great uh, it was a great little case study that i really enjoyed and by the way, not least of all, we saw we saw the next generation of leaders, you know, grow up and, and come up through the business and really find their place as, as agile leaders ready to take on the next chapter of the challenge. It's really nice to hear. All too often, family businesses are struggling with that. So there's probably a whole nother conversation to be had around how that was effectively managed and probably more so with... Uh, uh, you know, the matriarch or patriarch who was leading the business. Um, but yeah, um, yeah let, let's yeah. unpack that. Let's park that for a moment, pardon the pun. Yeah. And, and, yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and revisit it maybe in time. Um, I'm fascinated by your passion and enthusiasm that you have for supporting others and the curiosity for business. We've touched on a range of different sectors uh, and and alluded to the different scale of which you've supported businesses of of you know differing size and complexity, um, you know what is what keeps you twenty years on as an independent? Yeah. What keeps you engaged and and you know uh, still learning? Uh, importantly, Mike. Yeah, um, thanks for the question. Um, I, I'm sure, like many people, if not everybody listening to this. It's, uh, it's, you know, having an impact. And there's nothing better for me than having an impact on the trajectory of a business and, and potentially a career and potentially a life, uh, uh, both financially and non-financially uh, in terms of success and happiness uh, as a sort of integrated, you know, sense of, of prosperity that, that we tend to be pursuing. And um, there's nothing better for me than to feel that I helped create a positive inflection point uh, in all of that for somebody, for a team, for a family, for an entrepreneur, for investors, uh, and, and provided an insurance policy about, you know, against the opposite happening, because we were always looking ahead, we were always scenario thinking and scenario planning. Um, so there's nothing better uh, than that for me uh, in being able to see my footprints, my fingerprints in that, in other people's journeys. And in so in my own journey, um, you know, that's where my sense of prosperity comes from. Uh, I said earlier, this has been one of the most enriching um, parts of my career and my life. Uh, I'm 20 years, I'm, I'm 40 years into my career, 20 years into the second half of my career, which has been an independent, you know, portfolio professional. And I look forward to another 20 years because, uh, you know, it's almost like, why would I ever want to retire from my passionate purpose? 
Um, you know, I, uh, I've got plenty of energy, plenty of uh, uh, passion to keep doing what I'm doing. And uh, it's, a great, uh, it's a great journey. And there's nothing better than getting to know people and getting to know businesses and uh, staying sharp with all of that. So I, I, just, I just love the work. And um, I'm, a big, I'm a big proponent uh, for those for whom it's appropriate uh, in their journey in life and their phase of life to consider uh, pivoting perhaps to a portfolio career. I'm a big advocate of it and the sort of um, independence and, and flexibility and, uh, and agility uh, that it can bring you to, to pursue that sense of prosperity, you know, that's unique for everybody, mm. um, but uh, is really there to be had. No, it's a, it's a really good point. You know, it's uh, people's, their, both their industry, their, their capability, their experience is unique, but as is, you know, where they're at and that's an extension of their family, et cetera, there's, there's a lot yeah. to it. So no, yeah. I appreciate yeah. you, you sharing that with, with me. Um, and, and, you know, conscious of time, I've really enjoyed uh, hearing from you about your your experiences and and your journey to to uh, support founders business leaders people who are looking to do things differently than what they might have done in the past really appreciate your your observations on on the u.s market and uh, look forward to continuing to work together uh, as we yeah. look to mature and develop a a, a profession and um, one that holds a great deal of, of purpose and impact as you said yeah great thanks for having me thanks mike <laughs>